When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a yeah. production of iHeartRadio. Dope. <laughs> Dope. Yo. Welcome, everybody. Let's take it on to the new year. I'll be at the party mad deep with my crew near. True peers. That's why we drinking a few beers. Till I'm half naked like I'm the Winnie the Pooh bear. Ooh, yeah. They say I'm nerdy or what? To get my references, you gotta be like 30 and up. Fuck with your preferences. I got the shit that burn at the touch. With a bunch of white boys that say Bernie or bust. Get it all out your system. I'm all that and then some. Looking at my drink like all that with mixed rum. Yes, hun. It's like I had a relapse. Now we going over the year giving a recap. Go ahead and relax. And be flat Show me where the weed's at Real outcast Where's my three stacks I don't even need facts I will just delete tracks Take them out the motherfucking system If they beeswhack And speaking of beeswhack Mind your beeswax Shake your ass Until you break the kneecap I'm blazed Stay clear of the grass Let's celebrate And put this whole year in the past Dope <laughs> Dope 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 Hey Yo what up My name's Dope Knife I'm Lingua Franco and we are waiting, waiting on, on this to be fucking over. <laughs> that too. Not that anything's going to get any better, but I mean, though. Well, I mean, it's symbolic. I love New Year's. New Year's my favorite you, holiday. I love starting over. You got to keep it together because it's going to get better and better. Oh, whoever better. said that was a fucking jackass <laughs> needs to be defenestrated. <laughs> so on today's That's episode. That's a lyric of mine for the, for the uninitiated. Oh, these people know. Like, you got some listeners out there. They know. They know They know the lyrics. Yeah, well. And I'm sure some of y'all have been to a Linger Franca live show, so you know it's got to get better. Back when we had those. <laughs> That's going to be one of the many things that we're going to talk about uh, losing in 2020, I guess. But in this episode, we're going to be doing a little recap of some of the top moments in hip-hop and politics, according to the war crew, that happened in this godforsaken year of 2020. Yeah, it's kind of painful. Like, I feel myself physically recoiling at the thought of reliving this year. 
Well, I mean, this, this, but it's also such amnesia. Like time has flown and also moved like molasses, and so it's, in, in compiling this episode, it's interesting to revisit. Um, like, oh shit, that happened this yeah. year. Wow. I, we were talking. I hope you are similarly mind blown in recalling that a lot of these things happened this year. We were both talking the other day about, um, you know, how when whenever somebody who's famous passes away and everybody's like, ah, oh, fuck, twenty twenty, and it's like, yo. Nigga, Die. Y'all know motherfuckers gonna die in 2021 die too, right? 2020? Yeah. Like, like it's not People just die gonna... in 2019. Yeah, I remember. I remember back when you remember. I remember when 2016 was like everyone thought it was the worst, the worst David year. David Bowie, Prince, Prince, Prince Trump like, got elected. Everyone Trump was like, "This is so whack. It's not gonna get any like, worse." This is just me or 2016, the worst year it's ever happened. Huh. 2020 was laying in the cut, huh. like hold my beer. Yeah, 2020 was like in the womb, like. <laughs> ready to just fuck a nigga up like well, how, coming how, out blazing well how did you um experience this year um just on a personal note like where were you at the beginning of the year to where you are now as a person i feel like i had a lot of, had a lot of hope going into 2020 um early in the year i was like getting my life right you know and you know in Embroking, embrocating like uh, good habits into my routines and like felt optimistic about school and politics and love life and stuff. And uh, now I just struggle not to dissociate. <laughs> Where I, are we right now? I think I'm kind of the same way. I, uh, yeah, I, I came into 2020 with like a lot of musical ambition. And there's like a lot of things that I wanted to do on that too. I knew we were going to have this podcast. So it's like I was coming up with a lot of master planning. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Because it's like, I'm going to be touring heavy. And we're going to be dropping this. And, you know, I mean, I think this is finally going to be your year, kid. We're going to do all these great interviews at South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. Just like hit the road for three months. And we're going to speak. We're going to do live podcasts live at colleges. Podcast all these venues and get laid and... <laughs> So, so with that said, you know, make sure that you like and subscribe and leave a comment so that we get another season. Yeah. <laughs> we run, want to run that back. We want to run that back. But, you know, all in all, I feel like this isn't for me. I just look at it as another, you know, hardship of life as surreal and black mirror ish as this year was. It's like, you know, if cliche as it is if the shit doesn't kill you it's gotta make you stronger right it's at least gotta make a callus <laughs> you, you know at, at the very least so i try to look at it in that way I, I think i'm coming into 2021 just even more solidified in my own like self-assuredness as i was yeah perhaps we've all grown a little more resilient resourceful I, or <laughs> I, I considering how the beginning of uh 2020 like uh, the beginning of covid started like well let's get into a little bit of that as we go through because i would <laughs> like to kind of register some of our reactions to the various happenings that we're going to talk about today we're about to get into all of that after the jump So we're in the, going back, we're going to go back to the month of January. What are we doing in January? The very start of the year. Things were already rocky. 
when the U.S. withdrew from the nuclear deal with Iran. Back in 2018, we reimposed sanctions. We were accusing Iran of stirring up a campaign to antagonize U.S. torches in the region. And then right out the gate, January 3rd, 2020, boom, we assassinate the second most powerful man in Iran, Qasem Soleimani. And Iran starts talking about revenge. And suddenly it's like, oh shit, are we going to war? And like, are we like jumping up? Third day of the new year, we're going to war. So to justify it, U.S. officials claim that it was to stop an imminent attack, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Uh, though later clarifying the legal justifications of the actions being taken in response to an escalating series of attacks to protect United States personnel, to deter Iran from conducting or supporting further attacks, and to end Iran's strategic escalation of attacks. Now, Iran called a strike an act of state terrorism, and some experts including the United Nations, some folks over at the UN, consider the assassination as a likely violation of international law as well as U.S. domestic law. So we're over here ready for them to strike back. I got to admit, I thought that, you know, I thought that that was about to be how 2020 was going to, like, ride out. It was like, like oh, we're in a war. war yeah. yeah, I thought that we were going to be in a straight-up hot war with Iran to begin 2020. Thank God. Nothing really happened. Well, I mean, they did. Um, they shot they, down that Ukrainian plane. They shot down the Ukrainian the Ukrainian plane. Then um, they did retaliate with two rockets hitting the Balad Air Base in Baghdad. It was uh, two mortar attacks. There were at the beginning no reports of U.S. casualties. Something that Trump and the Trump administration played up like, oh, they just launched two missiles and nothing happened. But in reality, after deeper digging, like there were a lot of troops that suffered like severe brain injuries that Trump referred to as, oh, it was just headaches. They just had some headaches. We just had some troops get some headaches. And then, like you said, then it just got dropped like the story as a story. But Story. I'm sure there's some shit that went down. Well, I mean, you know, the um, I, I think something that definitely happened in the same month that took a lot of air. It, it's it's kind of crazy because it's you know in hindsight it's not nearly as like important as an international military intervention and possible war. But you got to remember later on in that month, Kobe Bryant died. Oh, just yeah. from a news perspective, yeah. that that definitely took. I, you know, I still. I was sitting around the other day thinking, and it's like, I don't think I'm still okay over that Kobe Bryant shit. Well, the and trauma it, of this year has been so overlapping. Are you sure it's not okay in general? You know, that that definitely could be it. I don't want to, you know, don't want to overstate things. But it's like, I've never, like, unfortunately, death has been a pretty consistent, common thing throughout my life. You know, with my mother being Liberian and the backdrop of that war lasting for 13 years throughout most of my childhood so like every other month or summer like oh such and such died oh such and such this happened to this cousin this happened to this uncle this that sort of thing i'm used to that and my father passed away in 2008 so like you know i'm not a stranger to death and its effects but when kobe bryant died like i had almost all of my male friends hitting me up out of the blue cats that I hadn't spoken with in years like yo man you, you alright man just want to tell you I love you you know what I mean and like like dudes were checking up on each other and everyone would just just people felt it even people who didn't watch basketball like that just for some reason I don't know it was something about that story and just how sudden it was and I guess 
the figure that Kobe was in pop culture that it just hit a lot of people really hard. And uh, yeah, yeah. Even talking about it now, it's got me feeling like a real sense of like, damn, that happened. Yeah, it did happen. Like, that's not even in the notes. I just thought about that as we were talking about this shit. And it's like, fuck, that's crazy. This is why this episode is going to be emotionally taxing. So we're going to lighten the mood a little bit and jump to my birthday, January 17th. Eminem, Slim Shady himself, released his 11th studio album, Music to be Murdered by, with no prior announcement, and he became the first ever artist to have 10 consecutive albums debuting at number one on the Billboard 200. What did you think about that album? Did you get a chance to listen to that? You didn't listen to it? Nah. I don't, so there's something about like... You're not an Eminem fan, are you? I'm not an Eminem fan. Something about his, uh, like his vocal delivery... Like, I just don't find highly listenable. I have always been, like, deferent to his, like, lyricism. As a lyricist, someone that places a high value on lyricism. Like, I can definitely, like, I can definitely sit down and listen to an album and enjoy the wordplay and enjoy the intricacy, but it's not the kind of thing I would, like, put on to, like, ride around the city to. I understand. I I think, um, I, I can totally understand that. I think Eminem, for me, has always been, like, a time capsule artist like a moment in time artist like there when Eminem was hot and I don't even want to say hot but I just mean when Eminem was like relevant to like my life <laughs> as like an artist you know what I'm saying it is very specific like five years of time you know what I'm saying and we're not there anymore and I feel like a lot of the reverence that Eminem has as far as like legacy is like built upon that moment in time you know what i'm saying it's like still kind of writing that which i don't necessarily see anything wrong with that but it's just like i agree i'm not necessarily sitting around like oh man i can't wait for eminem to drop a new album because on a personal note i don't have that personal personal sort of connection to it yeah i'm not 16 right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? so i don't have that personal connection to it anymore as a craftsman though in a, i would say especially like in the in recent years like the last two, three, maybe even like last four years of Eminem. As a craftsman, it's like, oh, it's like uh, it's like a basketball player just watching, my, you know, Michael Jordan shoot jump shots or like somebody who's in a ballet just watching like the illest ballet person just freestyle, do their thing and not in competition or anything, just like, you know, doing their shit. That's that's what Eminem is like to me. Like, I, I cannot be into his music and still listen to it and be like, God damn, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On the same day that Eminem dropped his album, New York rapper Pop Smoke was released from jail on bond after having been arrested with a stolen Rolls Royce worth $375,000, which leads us into the month of February where Pop Smoke was shot and killed at his home in California. And since the shooters took his life while committing a robbery, the adults involved, and yeah, some of the perps were actually teens. They're like 15, 17 years old. Mm. The adults involved are eligible for the death penalty, which I think sets us up for some of the shit that's been going on later in the year. Now, just to give you a little background on Pop Smoke, Pop Smoke was a uh, popular New York rapper who was one of the uh, early pioneers in the New York drill scene. Uh, Drill music is kind of an offshoot of trap music that started in Southside Chicago. It primarily... I mean, there's like gangster rap 
and there's trap music, and then there's drill shit. And drill shit is like exclusively about like violent crime. That's the subject matter that drill music is about. So New York has had a burgeoning drill scene, and Pop Smoke was one of the forefront figures in that. And what differentiated Pop Smoke and made him, you know, seem like a promising artist in terms of like where his uh, popularity was going to go is he started introducing elements of British drill into his New York drill music. And yes, there is a British drill. There's literally every country has a drill. It's crazy. Every country has a drill scene. Drill with the UK. Yeah, I, well, I mean... I didn't even know it originated in the United yeah, States. Yeah, like every every country has a drill scene. And I mean, like, some of y'all, if you're interested in this, you should go on YouTube and just type in a country and then type in drill music and just see what, like, there's Irish drill, there's Ukrainian drill, there's German drill. It's just like... I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but Pop Smoke was was popping off in that, and he was also, uh, you know, a little bit of a protege of 50 Cent, so he had that behind him, and yeah, you know, there's like a, a lot of people in the mainstream hip-hop community were, were really bummed out about his passing because they thought he was going to be a really, really big star, and it looked like he was, he was heading that way, too. Um, what else happened in February? Bernie was killing it. Oh, yeah, Bernie was killing Bernie it. Was he was in number one for a while. Yeah, that was Tied a really good Pete one. Pete I wasn't even, I wasn't there for the argument, y'all, but just the whole way that shit went down was mad funny. They... I got to my house and I'm like not talking to her and I was going to her room. And I was she in the room. She leave for like an hour. She's like crying and calling her friends. And I'm just like, yo, lady, leave. I was just sitting in the living room and it's like they get back and Mariah goes immediately into her room. And this girl just like sits, oh no, no, Mariah sits out here with me. And then the girl goes back into her room. It's one of those two things, but they're both, they just both separate as soon as they get in the house. And I'm just like sitting down, so a bowl, like, y'all want me to like go to work? <laughs> or something. <laughs> and then we never spoke again. Damn. So I literally ghosted a girl over Bernie Sanders. <laughs> That's the story that I was trying to tell you. That's how deep into the shit I was back in uh, February. But then at the end of February, February didn't end so hot. No, I, didn't, I went out to Charleston with my homies, Elliot and Chris and Zach. Shout out to y'all. Uh, we canvassed for like three days straight, you know, out talking to like. Uh, mostly black voters, you know, who, like, I would talk to them about Medicare for all, how much I would pay for under for Medicare, like, for health care under, like, a Medicare for all tax system. And they, these people were putting on their shoes to go vote for Bernie Sanders after we talked to them. They were so excited. 
And, uh, you know, we went out for drinks afterward and found out that Bernie Sanders lost and that, like, tw- you know, 24 straight hours of, like, walk around cold, knocking on doors, most for nothing. And that's just, the, you know, the start of the um, beginning of the end for Bernie. <sighs> Nah. I'm gonna drop that. I'm gonna try to drop that. Look, this is full establishment lined up behind. Let's throw our whole dynamic off, right? I'm supposed to be like gloom and doom and gloom, and you're supposed to be giving us those rays of inspiration and hope. It, don't, don't look at it as it was for nothing. It was for something. It just, you know, election people win and lose elections. It happens. Like it's, she's giving me the dead death stare right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bernie Sanders campaign was really formative for me, thinking about like federal policies that would be transformative for like our people uh, becoming educated on the history of ideas like the federal job guarantee, which are now policies that I hold very close to my heart. Um, understanding how things like Medicare for all type work, um, deeper appreciation for the you know the work that unions do. Getting an inside look at like the structure of a, of a campaign on that scale, both as an organizer with regards to tactics and then like policy vision for, you know, something beyond, you know, I'm very focused on the local and like, I don't know, the federal, I don't always believe in it, but it's like, man, yeah, you can't really get a lot of cool stuff done at the level and just interrogating like the military industrial complex, things like that, like, you know, yeah. a lot of that for me came out of you know, burning. I was like, too, I was like too much of a rap scallion in 2016 to have been into his initial run. But this time around, I really did stuff for me, man. But f- from a, just from like a practical standpoint, f- for wherever you're heading, don't you think it was an important stepping yeah. block to have been involved in, in it the way that you were? Oh, yeah. So it's not a waste. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so... The hits of the year just keep on coming because after that, we have on our list of top moments, March, Corona hits. Now, it's funny how we experienced Corona. It was kind of kind of the same, but kind of separate because like I was really glued to the news of it when it first started. So like I was going into March with like almost a month or two of like, hey, there's this really weird thing. And it's really not science fiction that it, you know it could it could end up being like a pandemic and shit. And um, so I started getting sketchy. We both had a festival gig that we were gonna play in Savannah, the Savannah Stopover Festival. Shout out Savannah Stopover. Um, so we played that. I'm playing it kind of with Corona pandemic paranoia. You know what I mean? So like I'm like mad skeptical about like talking with people i'm like on stage like oh man i'm like sweating on people like we're all, we're all gonna die we all gonna die and shit like that i get back home and kind of just determined to myself it's like that is probably going to be my last show until i figure out you know what i mean until until you know whatever happens is going to happen and this is before we, we a lockdown officially started and it was like three days later after we got back i was watching an nba game and it just got like stopped at the beginning because uh, a player had coronavirus, and that was the beginning. I remember of that day, and we looked with that, with that look at each other. <laughs> and we're like, oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Uh, it's like I don't think there's gonna be a little thing. And then in the days after, it felt like the the opening sequence of a zombie film, where it's like the the it's one of those like early in the apocalypse zombie films where like you hear the sirens. 
and everyone's like, what's happening? And it feels very still and quiet. Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, it breaks through the window yeah. and it drags the child. It, like it felt like that walking around. I remember when we first went, we went to the grocery store. Grocery store. Do you remember how bundled we I was? We were so scared. <laughs> she was like driving into my head to shake it as we're driving to Kroger. We're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? My biggest regret about that happening is like, I regret. I mean, it's not that I regret because I understand, but I was so scared let's just keep it keep it what it is you know what i mean like i wish that as roommates yumi and squale had just experienced that more together as like roommates you know what i'm saying but it's like once like lockdown was pretty much official it was like i right, i'm going to my room <laughs> you're going in your room you're going in your room or you're doing whatever the fuck you're doing and it's like let's just stay away from each other so that we don't fucking kill each other with the fucking virus and shit and um yeah, so I just, you know, because I, I definitely think that a lot of the, like, sleepless nights and anxiety would have been lessened to a degree if I was, like, talking and chilling, you know, with my with my roommates and going through it with other people and nah, shit like that. I didn't that. even want to be around y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I was around out here and doing God knows what, no offense, while I... Oh, Lord, we gonna die. <laughs> I was like, I have a quarantine in, like, away from all you niggas, too. Oh man, yeah, March, and then we had April. So this is wait, wait. So is, is uh, the Brant, Branto? So yeah, in March, um, uh, Brown Taylor was murdered, and it's so wild considering the public. I mean, it's not wild in the way that like, like black women's lives aren't valued as much as black men within our discourses of police brutality. Like black women led the movement, showed up for people like Mike Brown, for Eric Garner for Philando Castile, you know, been, have, have led that whole charge, but like the murders of black women, like Sandra Bland, like Ricky Boyd, you know, flickered a little more dimly in the public consciousness. Can I? And so, and then the same thing happened with Brown Taylor, where it was like March, and everyone was like, wow, it's so fucked up. And then relative to what we know is possible now, nothing happened. Yeah. Relative to what we now know is possible. But can I can I go back to the first point you made though? Do you not think that the Brianna Taylor not being the impetus, the 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 the, the center point that popped things off? Do you think not think? Do you not think that the, that had something to do with there not being like video of it? I think it's a good point. Sandra Bland was a you know I know it was a long time ago, but that was like a big story for yeah. a while. It wasn't like like Sandra Bland's incident so nothing, wasn't a blip. It had a tape. There was a tape, the video that like everyone could see that like, and there was like mad video of her in the actual jail. And I just, I just don't remember Sandra Bland being like something that people are like, oh, no big deal. I mean, okay, compared to what we know is possible now, yeah, nothing. I mean, and nothing. None of our previous reactions to stories like these seems even proportionate. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so it's weird that I mean, it's just so weird to me that that happened. Everyone's like, whoa, that's kind of fucked up, and like. Perhaps there was less media coverage of like mass mobilization around it, though it did happen. You know, that definitely skews the way we as a public perceive events. I wasn't in the local. I don't know what was going down there. But um, how did you hear? Like, how did you hear about Brianna Taylor? And did, did you did you know about Brianna Taylor like when it happened or did you find out about it like I did after like the I waves of stuff? directly from folks I know in Louisville or if it was just like going around the internet and just in general I saw it yeah yeah I I think if there was 
I don't think if there was tape or video or body cam footage or something like that, that it would have changed the outcome because there's a lot of, I mean, we know what the bullshit's involved with that. But I definitely think that if there was like the vira- the, the vira- virality of these videos and, and the role that they play in rallying people up behind the incidents, I think is like a thing. I don't know what the science is behind that, but I would have to imagine that that like amplifies shit, which is why the police do try to like cover stuff up like that and why they don't turn body cam footage on and shit like that and why you have to do Freedom of Information Act and shit to get dash cam footage and stuff like that in the first place because they know that somebody reading about something you know what I mean or something being in a, a tweet in an article is like way different than you seeing a video of like like imagine if there was video of them lighting up that apartment like how much more surreal that would be than you just hearing a news reporter say it yeah that's a good point there's a why I think that well we'll come back to we'll come back to that in a second so on April 26 no sorry on April 2nd uh, Takashi 69 was released from prison because of his health condition due to the threat of coronavirus. Um, um, spent the rest of his sentence at home. Takashi 69 is a New York rapper. He's, I guess you could arguably say he's in that drill scene too as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, it has a hip hop overlap, but like speaks more broadly to a growing movement um, that I took part in around that time of just releasing people from jail. Um, because of COVID, um, 40% of incarcerated people suffer from some kind of chronic health condition. And, you know, these underlying health issues can increase the fatality risk of COVID-19. But at that time, we'd seen, you know, cases, outbreaks all over Georgia, thousands of deaths all over the United States. And so it felt like only a matter of time before it came here. And so we were calling for the immediate release of all bondable pretrial incarcerated people. Anyone vulnerable to COVID-19, such as folks over the age of 25 or 45, rather, people with respiratory illnesses, diabetes, asthma, heart conditions, anybody with 60 days left of their their sentences, anyone being held for ICE transfer, um, and looking for a public report on like what their prevention strategies were for COVID-19, their plans for medical care for infected, incarcerated people, et cetera. and, you know, many municipalities, people were effective in arguing for the freedom of folks being held um, because of COVID-19. I mean, we've seen, yeah, like so many deaths on account of folks being confined in these spaces um, who had some who had chronic or underlying health conditions, others that that did it. They just couldn't social distance, couldn't wash their hands, you know, couldn't get yeah. it's prison. And so... Um, it's uh, it was the fir- that was the first. I mean, other than no war with Iran protests in January, this was the first protest movement that I'd been a part of during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and it felt very like <laughs> we're, we're gonna like you know get in our cars and like drive around the city because we were so sketched out yeah. like being near each other. And it's just funny how it pale- so pales in comparison to like the shit that went down yeah, just a, a short, later. just a few months later. Yeah. So. Um... We also had Bernie officially dropping out. Yep. Coronavirus meant that we couldn't canvas anymore. And the Democratic establishment tag team against them in a handicap yeah, match. Ass handed to them on Super Tuesday, and it was just over. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I cried. Whatever. Fuck you. There's a, there's a lot of sad 
burning people when it happened. But I mean, you know, again, I I have the same attitude that you know the the, the thing that hurt me the most when Bernie had to officially drop out is that. Oh, when he won those first few primaries, I was talking so much shit. <laughs> I was talking so much shit to so many people. Uh, and, and that was the thing that was like, ah, oh, shit, I got to eat crow. But at the end of the day, you know, like, I, I guess I consider myself somewhat of a realistic progressive. I think of these things as baby steps. And what Bernie Sanders started in 2016 like I look at it much more as like a 20, 25 year project as opposed to like, yeah, man, we're going to get in this election there. We're going to sweep in there. It's going to be Medicare for all tomorrow. And you know what I mean? Like I don't, I never like saw that as like the realistic goal. So like all of these things are steps. Did he technically do worse the second go around than the first go around from like a vote number standpoint? Yes. But I would argue that his influence was probably greater the second go around than the first go around. And if you had told me in 2000, let's not even go back crazy. Say, If you had told me in 2012 that some of the ideas that Bernie Sanders is talking about would just kind of be like the default Democratic position now, I would have been like, nah, hell no. The Democratic Party is way too conservative for that shit. Yet here we are. So you have to take you have to take it as progress. You know? Pass off to you, Bernie. And then in May... We had the video of the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. Which had happened in February. Happened in February goes viral. And the GBI arrests the McMichaels, um, his murderers, on May 7th. Uh, no, he arrests the McMichaels on May 7th. And Brian on May 21st, charging them with felony murder and some other crimes. And interestingly, this led to the election of a new DA down in Brunswick County in November. You know, the DA in this case, it said that, you know... Klaus recommended no charges press. DA recommended no charges press. Down all down the chain of command, everyone's like, "Oh, you know, it's fine." Until the video comes out, and they pass it over to GBI to you know do the investigation into what happened to Ahmad. So this is the this was like the start of like shit because it's like because Ahmad Ahmad Arbery it was on every show. It was like being covered heavy that tape of like Ahmad, you know. So it was like this huge story, and it was like the. F- it was like really like the first time, at least me, for like first observing like, all right, one of these like huge gripping viral moments, but happening in COVID, you know what I'm saying? And it's like just seeing how that's going down. Yeah, people were doing the run, you know, the run with Ma, the walk with Ma, the different things. What was, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're just going to jump into it because what what really happened in June. <laughs> but um, George Floyd is killed and it's captured on tape and the protests of June pop off. Mariah? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we start initially seeing... Well, for, first, I remember, okay, so first, the, the it happens and, you know, we're talking about it for a few days. It's It's in the news. Everyone's talking about it. And then I remember... I forget what I was doing, but you were like, hey, are you seeing what's... I came out of the room and you were like, hey, are you seeing what's going down? And I was like, nah, what? And you're like, yo, they're fucking... You know what I mean? They're protesting. And then, like, that's when they burned down that... That was the night that they burned down the police May 27th or 28th, yeah. 
they burned down the third precinct of the Minneapolis Police Department. That's when I kind of was like, oh shit, this is yes. different. And then you started to see protests in other bigger cities. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of rippled outwards into the smaller cities from there. Um, uh, just a couple of days before shit popped off in Athens, there was a huge mobilization in Atlanta, and they were like chucking bricks in the windows of the CNN Center mm-hmm. and shit. And it's just like, I don't know how to describe that time. I thought that it was going to, I don't want to say spiral. I just thought it was going to have like, I thought some of the economic anxiety of the moment was going to like merge with the movement. And that never really happened. Yeah, like I thought it was. I thought it was gonna morph into like a fuck rent, you know what I mean? Like some shit like that, and it it didn't. I think that might still be on the way. I think I think that one's coming because, like, you know, from from the standpoint of like the establishment, as far as they go, like I think they're they should consider themselves lucky that that's not what those protests were about. Because, yeah. like, I don't think when that shit starts, I don't think that shit's going away in a month or two. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Now that we're so many months removed from that 
intense protesting period in June or the end of May, June, July. Like, do you think that that was successful or do you think that that I made mean, an impact? Yeah. I mean, as of August, at least 13 cities defunded their police departments. Austin, Texas um, voted to cut $150 million, roughly one third from their police budget, reinvesting much of that money in social programs, including violence for prevention, food access, abortion access. Um, Seattle uh, reallocated $3.5 million from its police budget and reinvested, um, really cut $3.5 million in reinvestment, reinvested over $17 million from their police department into other services, New York and Los Angeles. Um, slash their police budgets, New York slash a billion dollars. Um, and Los Angeles approved a $150 million budget cut um, from its $1.86 billion police, proposed police budget. San Francisco approved $120 million cuts to their police and sheriff departments. Um, Oakland uh, cut $14.6 million from its police department. $15 million were cut from the police department of Washington, D.C. Baltimore cut $22 million from its police budget. Uh, Portland, $16 million. Philadelphia, $33 million. Hartford, $1 million. Norman, Oklahoma, uh, roughly $900,000. Salt Lake City, um, cut by $5.3 million. So, like, this is what I'm trying to tell people when they're like, ah, defund the police movement and Black Lives Matter and nothing, and they didn't get anywhere. It's like, y'all trying to tell me that in a summer, Activists were able to reallocate billions of dollars from some of the largest police departments in the country into other kinds of community resources. Y'all want to call it a failure? Y'all want to call it a failure? And if you think it's over and like if opponents to like reimagining public safety and like reinvesting in communities and divesting from policing, like if they think it's over, then that's fine because we're more educated now, we're more organized. And so the next budget cycles for all of these smaller cities where we weren't, we didn't get everything we wanted this time around, those that's gonna be wild. In what in what like reality or context are people like calling things like this like a fail? Like what what are they expecting to happen? You know what I'm saying? Like I mean they're just they're just too I mean oftentimes, especially like liberals, they they're tacitly like Signifying, they're tacitly letting, like letting slip that they want these things to fail by failing to acknowledge the victories. Liberals are under the impression that the majority of the country is actually conservative, and that like progressive or or, or liberal or leftist ideas are the are like not popular. Fringe. Yeah, and that's how they yeah, operate. Because like, it benefits them to believe that, because like they hold institutional power when their ideology is is like like you know it's it's institutionally centered so it's like good for them to believe that you know expanding the ACA is as far as we could go and guaranteeing healthcare to him and right I mean that that may be the case. I don't I don't necessarily know if it's like a conscious insidious thing I mean some people just genuinely could believe that you know without it being like ah oh, this is good for me they just might believe you know what i'm saying which i still think they're wrong but i don't know well, think of it, i mean like an obvious analog to me is like thinking of yourself as a police officer 
and everyone's saying to phone the police, you're thinking about how it's going to threaten, threaten your livelihood. If your way of seeing the world is no longer invested in. And so for like centrists and stuff like that, they need people to continue to fund the Amy McGraths and the think tanks and the PACs and the whatever and the consultancies to like keep them getting their paychecks. Like we need, they need people to continue to believe in that so they can keep getting a paycheck the same way. The cops need people to keep believing in the cops so that they can keep being cops. Yeah. And no, I, I agree that they, in order for those things to, to, to happen, they need people to believe that. But I'm just, I'm just saying that like someone could actually jet, you know what I mean? Like I, I understand, I can understand the reasoning and the logic that somebody's using behind them thinking no, like there need to be more cops because less cops means more crime. I I, I just understand just on that premise. I just understand it. You know what I'm saying? I understand what I don't necessarily take it as a well. What do you really mean? But you know what I'm saying? I don't necessarily like take it that way. But put you you're 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 100 correct. All all I'm saying is I think that there's it's like a it's like a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Like some of it's evil and some of it's people are just wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know. <laughs> wrote the banality of evil and talks all about how in Nazi Germany like the Holocaust was able to happen because hundreds of thousands if not millions of people just followed orders. Mm. They weren't evil people. They were just told to file this paperwork or or you know conduct this train or to you know just do their you know job as a police officer or whatever and they were just going about you know just doing the bureaucracy just doing whatever people told them to and that's and, and that and that's and that that that's what true evil looks like. And so when people don't have evil in their hearts, when they do evil things because they're just told to, and they don't think about it. And so honestly, yeah, I think these cats are a little bit evil. I just th- not because they're bad people, but like if you're willing to like go get along, go on to get along to like get your paycheck and just like whatever, I was just following orders. Like and you didn't interrogate that shit. You didn't ask yourself why. I I you agree didn't ask with yourself you. This Look, is okay. You're you're right. I'm not. I'm really not trying to cover this. Like I'm like I'm arguing with you because I agree with you. I just I just think that that analogy might just be slightly weighted. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's, it's not an analogy as much as an analysis of how evil operates. I think the analysis is right. Because I would, because I would, I would Whenever say- Whenever people leap to like, oh, compare something to Nazi Germany, it's like- No, no, no. The argument is dead because this person- I don't think that, I don't think that. That's not- But like, literally, like, she, like, lived through this shit, and, and it's like, that's where her analysis came from, and I think it's a spot-on analysis. I call motherfuckers Nazis twice before I go to sleep, and once when I wake up every morning. So I'm not in no way, like, tiptoeing around, like, making those analogies or anything like that. All I'm saying is- that it's like I would even argue that Nazi Germany isn't an example of banal benign evil or because it's like I don't think there is anybody who was like living in Nazi Germany at the time who genuinely this is just this is totally my personal opinion. I know that we're go I know that we're we're going we're we're kind of going on a tangent, but I don't think that there's anybody in Nazi Germany who was saying to themselves, we're the good guys. I don't, I just, I personally don't believe that. I, I don't believe any of them are like, oh, we're, we're. These are not people saying they're the good guys or the bad guys. These are people saying this is a job. But how does, but I mean, for the cops, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. But like, I, I just don't think that everybody who 
I don't think everybody who doesn't agree with defund the police is like in favor of a police state because they hate freedom and want black who people said to that? die. Huh? Who said that? Okay, I'm just just making yeah, sure that's that Um also I'm just gonna say like political theorists who like studied I'm, I'm, I'm a trusted political theorist who studied the Holocaust and, like, whose family was impacted by that shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey. perspective over, like, I have, I'm look, not historically being like, well, I don't think people in Nazi Germany were like that. Look, I'm not chopped liver. I come at, speaking of issues of war, with, like, a, a personal perspective as well. I'm just saying my personal opinion. That's not even disagreeing with the political theorist. I'm just saying... I kind of, I give people the, 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 the regular, everyday, every man, you know, in, in person in Nazi Germany, more responsibility and more weight than like, oh, they were just doing their job. I think that, yeah, they were just doing their job to an extent, but I think, you know, a lot of them knew, hey, this shit's wrong, but it's not really affecting us or we're benefiting from it. So like, I, you know, that's just my opinion about it. I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't look at the history of like Nazi Germany with like, damn, you know, it was only the people who were in charge who were bad and everyone else was kind of just falling in line. We jumped down to talk a little bit about August and where the Black Lives Matter to fund the police movement was that as of August, but we missed a couple things on the way. We did have an episode about protest songs. You can go back and check that out. Um, around the time that the protests began, RTJ4 dropped. Mm-hmm. That's right, Jules. Was the summer for me. That, so that, it didn't end up being the Aesop Rock one? Or oh, that wasn't the that summer? That was that. That, okay, was okay. that came out like a month ago. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was shit. Okay, so RTJ, that's your, that's your pick yeah, of the summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what, was it, uh, what was it that you, what are some notable tracks? Um, notable tracks. We were both jamming that ooh la la shit. Oh, hard, hard. Um, what's that track of Pharrell? I forget the name of it. Let me. Uh... That would be just. The name of that song is just. Oh, okay, that shit was banging. This is one of those albums I honestly listened to like straight through so many times that the names of the songs kind of blur together yeah. for me because I listen to it. It's like a whole soundscape. But I mean, Yankee and the Brave, um, out of sight. That was yeah, with Yankee two chains on it. Re- that was the first song that I heard on that album. That shows. Was... Yeah. So that they released digitally on June third, June fourth, and then physical came out in September. So honorable mention to RCJ four. And I think they, I think they did that too because of everything that was going on. Yeah, well. they were like, people need this. They right put now. it out early. Love to capitalize on revolutionary aesthetics, <laughs> don't you, Killer Mike? Um, um, uh, there was also that short little scuffle between uh, rappers J. Cole and No Name yes. around that time. Well, we can't forget, also in June, that's when this show started. We got launched for... Oh, yeah. It was a month early. I think we were supposed to start in July, but the world started going to shit, and they were, they were like, hey... They were like, you guys are black. <laughs> are, you in, are, you, are you in pain right now? I was like, yes. And they're like, ugh, bring it into the microphone. You know what's mad funny? Like, it was mad funny how, like, white people were acting, like, for a whole, like, month during you that shit. You food? Huh? Yeah, like, motherfuckers was like, it was. There it was, was like, three weeks of food left out on our doorstep by just aggrieved white people who just felt bad. It was kind of weird. I'm not going to front with you. I know, like, hey. 
whoever indulged, indulged to me. It definitely like it was really weird when you're like having a conversation with somebody and then somebody wants to say something. It's like, oh yeah, man, nah, I disagree with you, man. I think that movie sucks. But I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just a dumb white guy. I know, and I was like, yo, <laughs> chill, <laughs> chill. <laughs> Take yeah. me back. Take me back. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um... And then on June 30th, uh, Sepeti Grau, or Sepeti Grau from Injury Reserve died. Um, Injury Reserve is a... I believe from Arizona indie rap group. Um, what did he die of? They, I couldn't find out. Yeah, I think they kept that in the raps. I know... I, I thought that it might have been COVID-related. Um, I know for, we forgot to mention uh, one of the early hip-hop figures to pass away when covid first started was new york rapper fred the godson who passed away like he had gotten sick before lockdown started and then i think you know a couple weeks into lockdown he passed away and that was uh that was a it was a wake-up call for a, for a lot of like hip-hop figures because at the time like cats were still kind of fucking off and fucking around about it on instagram and conspiracy videos i mean they're still doing that but i just mean fred the godson dying like Definitely, you know, it, it sent a sh- like I, I stopped seeing Cardi B Corona denial videos <laughs> like after Fred the Godson died and shit. Shortly after that, um, uh, one of our personal inspirations, uh, intellectual podcaster, writer, commentator, Michael Brooks passed away. And uh, I'm really sad. Like I read his book Against the Web, which like I wasn't very familiar with like the intellectual dark web. Um, like I knew about people like Jordan Peterson, but like the whole book of Michael Brooks's um, sort of working rebuttal and debunking of a lot of their framings and like some, you know, the, the fallacies and their arguments, etc. And it was a good book, but it just makes me sad thinking about like all of the great, like the amazing books he probably had. Oh yeah, uh, he was only just getting started. I yeah, mean, yeah, that and was- I just, yeah. I just really appreciated like as a person that like struggles to understand the nuance of international politics. Like he made it like really, he really humanized the struggles of like left movements in other countries. And like, I learned a lot from him through that and as well as just compassion. It's like a lot of people on the left are just dicks. Mm-hmm. And he was just like above the fray, above all else. He's just a real dude. So committed to compassion and empathy. And he was a real funny guy. And and he was a hip hop head too. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying like that that that's that really is what sucks about it is because it was like us starting this show. I was I was 100 percent in the mindset of it's like oh we have like a hip hop themed political show oh we definitely got to talk to Mike Brooks you know what I'm saying yeah like, we had hopes one day we get to talk to Michael Brooks but you know before his, his before he passed he got to interview a lot of his. Like his bucket list, he got to interview Lula da Silva, former president of Brazil, Noam Chomsky, I believe, uh, Cornell West, and so. You should, you guys should check out his uh, YouTube channel, the uh, Michael Brooks Show. Uh, his sister, I believe, his sister and some of the guys who used to produce it, they still run it and they still drop episodes. But he's got all of the back episodes; they're all still up there, so you can go like actually it's see good it. Shit. You should check it out. Yeah, R.I.P. Michael Brooks. Um, so also in July, the protests started to wane in a lot of cities until the Fed started snatching people into black vans in Portland. And then all of a sudden, you've got solidarity protests going on all around the country. You've got the Wall of Moms. You've got thousands of people flooding into the city of Portland to stand in solidarity with the people who are getting their ass beat. 
Nightly Loud Police like, continue strikes of protest when they send it to Santa Fe and other cities. Folks in Portland are holding it down. They didn't see the no fucks. That shit right there is what I think ultimately was like the seeds that started making Trump lose the election is like shit like that like shit like that the clearing out of Lafayette Square there's a, yeah there there's a lot of people who otherwise were indifferent or even Trump supporters themselves who were like eh, not enough nowhere nearly enough trust me nowhere nearly enough but you know enough for the margins obviously you know at this point it's so funny to me because so many folks were crying the protests as fodder for Trump's narrative like oh don't you know don't yeah i mean like, there was a risk of that it just didn't play out that it way didn't play out like that because of course trump's gonna do like the fascist thing possible which is gonna freak people out worse than the sites of property destruction and i don't think if trump hadn't gassed like those mothers and children in front of the white house and shit like that to go across like I'm not sure, you know, like, I mean, his numbers were already rebounding from COVID at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were like we were already looking at his shit like, yo, how how is he not, like, have a, only a 20% approval rating? And then the Lafayette Square thing happens, and then he starts tanking. So, you know, I, 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 I don't want to say it's a benefit. It's never good to see cops riding and beating people yeah. with fucking shit and snatching people up into black vans. Yeah. But maybe... Americans need to like see the diet version of that sort of shit. You know what I'm saying? Before Tom Cotton or Tucker Carlson comes in and starts really making motherfuckers disappear for real, for real. And like using the full scope of the the weight of the federal government in order to do so. Like a lot of this Trump shit, it's not dry run, it's not test run, but it's like you know, like, none of these guys are evil geniuses. Like, they are, like, actual idiots that just, you know what I mean, have, like, disproportionate influence in money and power. But at the end of the day, like, they've proven to be pretty incompetent. You kind of have to be to be a fascist. You have to not know what the fuck you're doing as far as, like, running a country and shit. But some of these cats who are waiting out there in, in the wings who, like, just saw, like, oh, so... You mean we had, like, black vans snatching people up out the streets and it was only kind of, sort of, a big deal? Aight. Aight. I keep that in mind, you know what I mean? Oh, what, you mean we, we gassed, like, mothers, <laughs> you know what I mean, and kids, and it was just, like, people was just, no, like, angry? Yeah. Aight. Aight. I feel you. <laughs> I see you 2024. Yeah, yeah. Candace Owens and Tucker, 2024. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't such curse <laughs> I don't want to speak that into existence. Let me stop. Let me stop. I've dated too many witches who are probably making spells right now to make that shit happen just to fucking spite me. So let's not. So, bitch. All right. Um, where we at? Where we at? Where we at? We're that was just August, correct? Yeah, we're back in August. Um, Raekwon announces the third installment of Only Built for Cuban Links. At the original turn 25. Did you get to hear that? Wait, remember when it came out? Mm-hmm. I thought it was announced it. Oh, no. It was only announced? No release date, yeah. They just announced it. No release date. Okay. But he just said it was coming out. Um, I guess I'm looking forward to it. I really... You know, I would... I so much would be more looking forward to it if it was, um... 
if it was just like a new Raekwon album coming out. You know what I'm saying? But it's not like, like the third installment. Yeah, you, you gave us the sequel, and it's like, okay, that's cool. Like the And it was like almost a decade apart. So it's like, cool, I get it. I get the nostalgia of it. But it's like, at this point, if you're putting out a three, instead of just giving us like a, you know, it, like we, we, I think that that's like, it's like not trusting the pull that he has on just being Raekwon. I'm just being Raekwon. You know like, what I'm saying? ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがと
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds make mom's mother's day and all the 364 days that aren't mother's day with a bartesian cocktail maker at 50 dollars off visit b-a-r-t-e-s-i-a-n.com backslash mother now to get 50 dollars off the bartesian premium cocktail maker bartesian premium cocktails on demand in october benny the butcher dropped burden of proof i don't know benny oh Benny the Butcher is your fave. Benny the Butcher is a New York, uh, Buffalo, New York rapper uh, with the outfit Griselda Records. Uh, he's joined by his cousins, uh, Conway the Machine and Westside Gun. And what can I say, yo? They're just three up north cats that like really spit some some real like gully hard shit. And the thing is, it's, it's content-wise, it's similar to the drill shit that we were talking about earlier. But stylistically, it's done with like a lot more lyricism and attention to like detail of hip hop detail, I should say. So it has a different vibe in that. It's not for everybody, you know. It's 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 definitely street-oriented and violent, but similar to what I was saying about Eminem early, from just a craft perspective. Like if you want to see or hear people rapping at like the peak that somebody can rap at, I definitely recommend uh, Benny the Butcher. So how did you think Burton approved compared to his earlier work? You know, I'm one of those cats that I like it when people focus, when artists focus on albums more so than their mixtape stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely just popping in Benny the Butcher mixtapes you have to have like the sort of ear and the want for it because you can definitely like listen to five songs in a row that it's the same gun lines you know what i mean like i shoot this i shoot that I sh-, you know and that can be kind of monotonous and stuff like that so him making this album and hearing like how his mind is is geared towards like actual songwriting and and paying attention to song structure and how one song is going to flow into another and how oh, I shouldn't have three tracks on the album that sound the same. Like him going at it from that perspective, I think has entered him into a new echelon to where before I just thought Benny the Butcher was like a nasty artist. I mean, or a nasty rapper, you know what I'm saying? And now it's like, ah, oh, like he actually, like we, Benny the Butcher probably, you know, with this album, he's probably going to be around for like the next 10 years dropping more projects because like he's now doing the album thing and he's good at it like, yeah he's, yeah he's, he's he even i i do believe um hit boy uh produced all the beats for this and uh usually hit boy is like a completely different type of musical soundscape than benny the butcher usually raps with so 
just showing that he's got that sort of, you know, mindset for it to where it's like, yo, I'm going to like experiment with different sounds too. So it's like albums are going to sound different from each other completely. Oh yeah. He's got, he's got a future. Just stop. Stay out of Texas for a little bit. Stay stop. out of Texas. They be shooting niggas out there. Okay. Goddamn. Yeah. Um, and, uh, also in October, um, Troy Lane's got arrested for the felony assault of Megan Stallion. Thank you. It's so nice to hear. God, so many people are fucking caping for him. Like, oh, man, you hear his side of the story. And like, nigga, shut up. Look. Nigga, shut up. Nigga in the foot. Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't condone any of that shit. I I mean, first of all, the motherfucker's just like mad corny to begin with. So that's, that's the thing for me is like, I am not surprised by these things that happen with figures like this. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if if I'm watching Tory Lanez move around and how he operates and how he goes about... Tory Lanez is a Canadian rapper who is popular here for some reason. But anyway, um, with seeing the type of person that he is... And then hearing, oh, Tory Lanez got in an argument with a woman and shot her in the foot. Everybody's like shocked and appalled. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something that he he's a scumbag. Like, what, 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 <laughs> like, what, what are you <laughs> like? Don't, don't be upset that you were following him on IG and now you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> that he did something you didn't like because like he was always like on some whack shit you know so y'all should have seen that to begin with but yeah speaking of being on some whack shit yeah mad rappers coming out for trump and then lead up to the 2020 election i'm gonna let you comment on this a little bit i think i think the waiting on reparations audience is well documented my feelings it's well about- documented we had about the history of Trump and hip hop and like the capitalist fetishization of like how many billions he has, even though he's bankrupted multiple times, probably doesn't have fucking shit for money, actually. Um, so honestly, I wasn't shocked or even let down by this whole thing. No, I, I mean, I, I wasn't shocked by the occurrence of it. I was shocked by who was involved. In particular, one person. I was just, I was really let down by the Ice Cube shit. I was. I'm still and salty about it. we got a whole episode on that as well. You can yeah. go check that out. We got a whole debate. I was less, you know, judgmental of Ice Cube than Mac was. I mean, now a few months removed, I, I don't think I'm as judgmental, you know, in some of the things that you and other people have, some of the points that y'all have brought up are notable points, you know what I'm saying? But I would be lying if I just, there's just something I've heard every fucking word that the dude has said on, on wax, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, maybe it's my naivete because I grew up in an era to where it was harder to find hundreds of YouTube videos of your favorite rappers, like just talking about stuff. So you had to take their music as like what their opinions were and how, what their stances were and their posturing would be. And it's just, yeah, you know, if, if Ice Cube's Ice Cube stance being like if if Ice Cube's stance was fuck these elections they ain't shit fuck these politicians all of them I ain't voting for nobody this shit's a scam I don't fuck with it that makes more sense than I'm gonna work with whichever one of them wants to talk to me oh Trump talked to me Biden didn't talk to me I'm, I guess Trump is I guess Trump Man, is telling the truth we ain't going through this argument again <laughs> go back and listen to the episode <laughs> I 
get with you again. Okay, moving on. November election happened. And it's still happening, apparently. Apparently still happening. I was like catatonic with sleeplessness, not even about the election results with regards to the electoral outcomes, but like the fears of right-wing violence. Mm -hmm. I think I might have probably talked about it in episodes at the time. We did. Of just uh, knowing that it's bigger than me. Like, what if they, you know, string my cat up from a tree? What if they burn the house down and Max inside? Like, (laughs) they can kidnap my ass. Like, I've been ready for that shit since 2018. But, uh, oh, my family will be sad if I'm murdered by the fucking KKK. Like, it's so funny how it's the most. That's why I couldn't sleep. I was like, country be damned. I'm scared that they gonna fucking, like, just round us all up and throw us in the river. It's crazy how it's like that was probably like the most consequential thing that happened this year. And it's just like, I'm so burnt out from it that it's like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, just the whole like election thing. But, I don't think that our fears about that are necessarily in the territory of like, oh, we were scared about that, but huh, I guess that didn't happen. You know what I mean? It's like these things are sl- slow rolling and let's just, let's not fear for the worst, but let's just be prepared for anything because these motherfuckers is tripping, you know? They are tripping. Like the mere fact that that we're even talking about any of this like election dispute shit at this point a month more than a month out getting ready to be into a new fucking year it's nuts yo there's just no other way to put it it's nuts if i can bring anything to the show hopefully it's a little bit of that international perspective this is fucking insane there's nothing about this that's okay nothing about it that the republicans have been doing for the last month is remotely okay in the slightest bit and i've seen a lot of y'all motherfuckers freak the fuck out about shit that's less important than that so that's all i'm gonna say it's just you know yeah i mean that pretty much brings us up to present day we got uh tio bernie up here fighting for two k checks for us in the senate filibustering so that the senate uh is pretty much held hostage over guess the defense bill uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, refusing to vote for the defense there bill. through New Year's if they don't, you know, approve a vote on uh, 2K checks, which then fucks over David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, who probably want to be here in Georgia campaigning for the runoff, which is happening mm-hmm. next week. Um, the Republicans are in fighting. We are actually going to be ramping up some of the canvassing stuff that we're doing, right? Yeah, we've been out here knocking on doors. I went out and flyered the block just trying to get people to come out to this DOTV event. I got tomorrow, it will have happened already by the time you hear this, but if you are in the Athens area, we're doing a, um, uh, maybe this maybe this will be announced by then, I didn't even tell you this yet. Uh, we're having a GOTV rally, uh, Mac and I are performing as well as Quale, and John Ossoff is going to be there. Ooh. So we're going to get to play a little show for John Ossoff. So come and see John Ossoff It's 11 a.m. City Hall, Athens, Georgia. Dope Life and Lingua Franca and Squale. And, uh, so what are your predictions for 2021? My predictions for 2021? There's, don't forget. I think there's going to be another pandemic. You think so? I've been listening to these interviews, like, zoologists talking about, like, deforestation, the ways that destruction of animal habitats going to drive more and more, you know, animal species into human habitats where they're not supposed to be. It's going to be more cross-species 
infections, viruses of new kind. You think that's going to be in 2021? I think next year. Yes. I've been scared of this all year, and I really feel like 2021 is going to be worse than this year somehow. And, like, I just think that's going to be it. We're going to be like, oh, pandemic's all over. Wait. What do you... What do you mean the 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 the, the Jenga virus is <laughs> spreading all over? Hey, you, they say that there's super gonorrhea going around, y'all. Super gonorrhea. I don't know which one of y'all was fucking taking antibiotics like Skittles, but now we got super gonorrhea because of it. Thank you, thank you, nigga. All right. Okay. <laughs> you need to cool it. You look careful when you say we got. <laughs> I mean the world. The world has super gonorrhea now. They say that they say they say that they say that there's super gonorrhea. They say that in England there's like a super COVID now and shit. And then we don't have Jenga virus. Jenga. <laughs> the Jenga virus. Like little blocks that fit together, and you gotta like if you pull one out, the whole thing falls apart. It explodes. The Jenga virus. <laughs> Shit. Locked down for like five years. Oh god, don't say that. I have to rap in front of a crowd or else I'm gonna fucking Jack Nicholson shit. Well, what are your predictions for 2021? For 2021, I think that um I, I I mean I hope this doesn't happen, but I think that our economic situation is going to move into the forefront of everything that everybody is talking about. Um I mean, hopefully we can get these stimulus checks and, you know, hopefully the neolibs can get in there and do something to stop some of the immediate bleeding. But um, it looks like the Trump administration is like literally hell bent on sabotaging the country going forward. So I think we're going to be dealing with the consequences of that in 2021. Just from a political standpoint. I do think for 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 a little bit of of a bright side, I do think that all of this turmoil and all of this unrest and all of this uh lockdown and disappointment and heartache and pain and perseverance, I do think that it's going to like make somewhat of a artistic boom, and I think that we're going to get better music in movies and literature and poetry. I don't know, man. 2020 uh, brought us Wonder Woman 84. Is Wonder Woman 84 bad? Yes. Is it? Yes. I got to see it for myself. I don't, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not trusting motherfuckers right now. I got to, I just want to see it for myself. Just to, just like how bad on the scale of like on a letter grade. I mean, I fell asleep watching it, but. It was, okay. like, bad. Like, never... the first 30 minutes, I was like, this is... Like, is it cheesy bad? Like, yes. Is it like, like, Lauren? Yeah. Yeah. I really like the first one. That's that's a shame. Just because you think Gavadon's hot. You know what? She is hot. <laughs> but she's not my first choice for Wonder Woman. It's a good thing we started talking about comic book shit just to do a little solicitation to you guys. Um, next week... We are going to dedicate the episode to talking about the results of the Georgia Senate elections and what they mean for the country going forward. And then the two weeks after that, I don't know what order yet, but we've got an episode coming on sex work and we have another episode that I'm eagerly anticipating. Black nerddom. Geek comic book 
sci-fi nerd shit and its relationship to hip-hop culture and the black culture and so on and so forth. That's going to be fun. Niggas love anime. And whenever y'all want to, you know, hit us up on Instagram, let us know what you want us to talk about. Yeah, um, as, as a matter of fact, uh, if you guys do us a little favor, hit us up on Instagram and on Facebook and tell us what some of your pivotal political and hip hop moments of 2020 were like if it you know if it was even if it was something that we covered on the show just like what, what what was it for you and what was your perspective on it i don't mind if it's a long comment i i like reading shit so go ahead and send us something but with that what we, a year what a year we come to the end of it there's a, a lot to regret but there is some things to be thankful for i'm thankful that we got this show and i feel that like you know we were kind of getting our feet under ourselves with it and you know what i'm saying to the to the new year and to what the future brings hopefully it'll be good things and better than what we had in the past yeah have a safe new year you know don't do anything crazy social distance and wear those masks wear those masks stay at home get drunk on your couch uh and if you live in georgia vote and we'll see you saturday at the yeah we'll see you saturday at city hall if you live in Athens. Um, I think we're going to close off with the rap stuff a little bit different. We're going to do a song for you guys. We have a song called The Cookout. I think with a little bit of doom and gloom that we had with this 2020, I think we should close it off and brighten the day a little bit. What do you so think? So welcome to The Cookout. Welcome yeah, cookout. pull up a chair, grab you a plastic red cup, sun is shining. Let's get that We're beat. all there with our friends together. No mask, we're all chilling. It's beautiful. Let's get that beat. Yeah. Uh. Justice, justice, yeah. Justice, justice, yeah. Justice, justice, justice. Get it. Justice is so bring your styrofoam plate. Uh. For the African diaspora, don't even fix your lips to come and ask what's in this casserole. Ah. This Afrofuturist vision was written by Coretta Scott. It's better not reaching for a plastic cup up your Susan B. Anthony Erasmus is asking yourself, Am I sad uh. because I wasn't invited? Because of love entitlement? Because I've been fighting beside him. I've really earned this alcohol. Even Spider Man got the whitest skin when the mask is off and he's still a hero. Don't give a fuck if you're black. It's whether you're stuck with the Nita Hill and Nut with Colin Kaepernick. It's whether you really love us enough to call the crooks out. You're in the latter category. Welcome to the cookout. Ah. Ha. Just this is so. You go, hey. Yo. 
When the revolution's over, I'm exploding like a Nova. I just took a run to Kroger, nobody pulled me over. I got blunts on sight, hey. ain't nobody sober. Yo, my name's Dope Knife. Hey. My mama called me Toga, go and smoke up. It's all legal, we all regal, we all ball. No such thing as small people. Nah. Gun sticks, pots, and pans, we fought evil. Now we got plots of land, 4-0. Told you not to dream, said it's all in your head. They told you not to lead, set the follow instead. Now you can get a good job keeping all of your dreads. And we can party without caring, go and call the feds. Everybody is dapping, no one's having a fuss. Plus, we came a long way from the back of the bus. So gather the white friends that you happen to trust. And like everybody can come, but it's black as a fuck. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.